What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we talk about a brand new scary movie that's not so new, but is also kind of new now. That'll be new, but is also old. <laughs> True. And that was the most complicated <laughs> way of saying that we are talking about Scream today, um, a.k.a. What did these kids' parents do for work? Because all of their houses are amazing and huge. Right. So jealous like, of the houses in this movie. What? Everybody is like super successful, I guess. Which, great. Which is fantastic for them. Uh, right. But yeah, there's some big old houses. And I'm like, is this set in Bell like Beverly Hills? <laughs> <laughs> The funny thing is, I don't think you really see anyone other than like the cops or the teachers work. Like you don't see any other like businesses or jobs during like I don't know where they're getting their money from. No, Sydney's dad works at a nondescript job that he has to travel for. I assume it's the mafia because th that's a very nice house and also <laughs> He's just gone. He's just leaves all the time, which we find out later that he's like consistently jet setting throughout life. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, other than that, no, nobody knows. But you know what? What a life to live. Besides the murders, <laughs> what a life to live. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, Scream is an older film that we are all familiar with. However, uh, we are right on the heels of Scream 5 coming out. A lot of people are are saying that it's a great return to form. Not to say that this series is bad, like has gotten bad at all. I actually think the Scream series is pretty solid um, for the most part. I know a lot of people think that the third one is a bit of a dip because it gets a little silly a little wacky which yes but i <laughs> still enjoy i still enjoy the third one and so yeah i'm i'm happy that it sounds like they're continuing to be you know just as good if not better as i've been hearing from people so yeah really excited to see it but we thought since the new one is coming out, it was a perfect time for us to talk about the original one because we have not done that yet. No, nah, we've been putting it off and we really shouldn't have because we have a lot of homies that are huge Scream fans. So I know they've been waiting for us to cover this. Um, so sorry to you guys for making you wait so long. But, you know, we're here. We yeah. made it. Sorry. Sorry, germs. Because <laughs> specifically, it's been, a, it's been a minute. I'm sure you've been waiting for this. But also we dressed up. For Halloween, we were Casey Becker and Ghostface mm -hmm. um, from Scream, and that was a lot of fun. We were really, really excited for those costumes. And it's a ton of fun. I think those are still on our Instagram page, aren't they? Yes, yes, those are on our Instagram page. If you did not get a chance to see those, you can see the pictures there. But yeah, so we dressed up for them as Halloween, and then 
because we had like a, for anybody who wasn't there or didn't hear about it we had a stream halloween party and af- at the after party we watched scream in discord with you know other homies mm-hmm. and so we we kind of did like a you know come like we kind of chit chatted over it a little bit but we didn't really dive into it too much because we knew we were going to make an episode about it it was much more casual much yeah more we're also drinking. all drinking too yeah that was, that's, a, that's a big factor <laughs> very important to say i think we were both about six drinks in yeah that we got to the actual watching of the movie but yeah, it's been a long time coming. We are really excited to talk about it today. And I think before we get into the synopsis, one thing I do want to ask you, Roshane, before we you know talk about the actual movie, is are like do, do you, are you a pretty big Scream fan? Um, is this a movie that you enjoy or have watched a lot? And has it been a while since? excluding the halloween party because obviously we watch it for that before that like had it been a while since you'd seen this movie uh before the halloween party yes it's been a minute um i am not as hardcore of a uh, scream fan as i think a lot of people are but i think a lot of that comes from how i've watched scream throughout the years um i think for the podcast this was probably like my fourth or fifth time watching scream Um, But this was one of those movies that was always on growing up. So I've caught it on multiple occasions, um, but I didn't often sit to watch it. Um, So this was probably the first time I really like sat down and analyzed the movie. I don't think I ever really have before today. And um, I got to say, I did find a lot of things that even though I've seen this movie quite a few times, there was a lot of stuff that I realized I missed. And maybe some of these things could lead me to becoming a uh, scream fanatic like some of the rest of you guys. I don't know. We'll okay. see as okay. we uh, chit chat about it today. Um, but I do also want to throw in there that um, if it sounds like I don't sound as enthused as I normally do, um, just letting you homies know I am under the weather. Um, so in case <laughs> it sounds like I'm not excited, it's not because I don't like the movie. All right. It's just there's a lot of sicknesses going around right now, and I may yes. or may, may not have caught one of them. Right. Needless to say, say stay safe and stay healthy, homies. Um, we have already gotten Erica's sick episode, so um, it's time for Roshane's sick episode. <laughs> it's true. Uh, the time has come. That's <laughs> right. I came out of my my little bed fort cocoon just for you guys to talk about this movie. Mm-hmm. I want you to know that. And after we're done recording, I am going promptly back to bed. But (laughs) for you guys, I will suffer through because I love you, homies. Only for you guys. And remember, yeah, (laughs) truly remember that in the future. (laughs) And any, if anything, if we take a, if if something happens where Shane misses a week sometime, just remember, remember the sacrifice he made for you guys. (laughs) Remember, remember the sacrifices (laughs) made on this day. (laughs) Um. Yeah, today's not about me and my sicknesses. Today is about the movie, the one and only Scream. Scram. Scram. Um, <laughs> and also, I agree, I am very much like you. It had been a very long time since I had seen Scream. Before we watched it for the Halloween part, I don't know. I Honestly, I couldn't tell you the last time that I had seen it before we watched it for that. But it's weird because I it's just one of those movies where I remember everything that happens in it, whether 
no mm-hmm. matter how long time has passed. But at the same time, a lot of the little bits and pieces are always really refreshing when I rewatch them. But and I think I mentioned this to you before. I've surprisingly seen Scream 3 and Scream 4 a lot. And mm-hmm. I don't know why. I think Scream 3 used to just come on TV all the time. I feel like they used to play it on TBS every like day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm like, I feel like a lot of people our age have seen some scream to some capacity. Um, yeah. Because if you grew up with cable TV, you have seen this movie. It has been on TV. Oh, yeah, you can escape it. Uh, it, it. You were going to see it. You didn't really have a choice. <laughs> um, but I think it's also shaped a lot of like horror, the way that, you know, people view horror because so many people have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. That is their general homies consensus and feelings about Scream prior to our breakdown. Um, but yeah, let's just go ahead and and hop into, into the movie, I think. That sounds good to me. All right, homies, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today, like we said, we are talking about the one, the only, Scream, 1996. This movie was directed by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson, and starring a star-studded cast, including Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott, Skeet Ulrich as Billy, Matthew Lillard as Stu, Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, David Arquette as Dewey, Rose McGowan as Tatum, Jamie Kennedy as Randy, and Drew Barrymore as Casey. The small town of Woodsboro is no stranger to tragedy. After the brutal murder of her mother, Sydney Prescott is doing her best to live a normal life with her close friends and boyfriend, Billy. But when a masked assailant goes on a killing spree near the anniversary of her mother's death, Sydney is forced to confront her past as the town of Woodsboro struggles to find the ghost face killer before they strike again. Insert gruesome teenage murder, no nonsense news reporters, and a very basic set of rules for survival here. Our film concludes with Sydney facing off against the ghost face killer in one of the bloodiest nights in Woodsboro history. Also, movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Roll credits. So, I mean, if you took notes, Roshan, because I'm interested to see if you did or didn't, because I almost didn't for this movie just because I've seen it so like like i said i remember so much about it mm-hmm. <laughs> and um you, you oh, even upon the rewatch i was like yeah i'm i'm good i don't think i need to take any but then i ended up taking some anyway just to have a few yeah. um but if you have notes roshane <laughs> what's what's in your notebook um well i have minor notes like i took yeah. i took like little scribbles honestly but most of them were just mental notes again because seen this movie so many times Um, But the first note that I do have is, man, this really is one of the greatest opening scenes of all time. Mm -hmm. Yes, it it, it's so good. It's what an opening scene should 
be. Like, I feel even if you're not a fan of horror movies, I think for the movie as a whole and what comes later, it's the perfect way to open this movie to entice and surprise the audience. And I feel like if you want to become a writer or a filmmaker that you should watch this, just this opening scene, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember I was watching like a behind the scenes of like the making of Scream. And one thing that was a consistent between like everybody that worked on this project was how much people praised Kevin Williamson's writing um, with the script of Scream or Scary Movie as it was before it became Scream. Mm-hmm. Um, and this opening scene is just so well written. It's It's kind of insane how well written it is. And one of the big things that a lot of people know, a lot of the Screamheads already know this, but for people who aren't very familiar with the Scream franchise, um, one of the special things about this movie and the way it's written is it slips into the meta where the characters are now aware of horror movies, which is something that I think today can be taken for granted because we're kind of used to that, right? Um, But in 1996, when this came out, that was groundbreaking to have characters that have seen the movies that are influencing the situations that they're in like that people had not seen that before so that was like a really really big deal mm-hmm. yeah it and it makes so much sense i think by by yeah yeah it's like very meta but also by doing that you bring a grounded reality into this movie where it feels like this is real life because Mm -hmm. the characters are aware of scary movies because the characters are us. How many of us fans of horror always say, well, I would never do that. That's so dumb when you're watching a scary movie. And that's exactly what happens in this movie. They make fun of (laughs) the things that victims do in horror movies in this movie. And they think that they know better, but and and by all regards, they do, but that does not mean that they are fault proof. They it's you know, it's it's one thing to say, well, if I were in this situation, I would do X, Y and Z because I've seen horror movies. I know horror movies. Mm-hmm. But then you have these characters who many of them are experts in this genre yeah. as they say self self describes experts in this drama or in this genre including the killers mm-hmm. and things still go wrong and i feel like there's something really like inherently nerve-wracking about that because you're like okay maybe i don't like maybe i don't know what i, <laughs> what yeah, I would do like maybe i'm not as much as a, of a survivor as i thought i was yeah <laughs> maybe all right let me let me reassess this this situation because yeah you have casey who you know she i think the thing that's really smart about the opening bit is you obviously yes the way that it's written is is awesome and there's obviously having it having this happen in the 90s it's such a moment in time where this all unfolds perfectly you know with like the phone call and the way that things would happen it's like that's so it it, you have to obviously as the this the sequels went on they had to find new ways to work around things because technology is always evolving but it's it's great for this movie but i think that the thing that is really smart is casey herself 
says things like, oh, you know, I love Halloween. It's like the the one where the babysitters are in the house and like all alone and they're being stalked by a killer. And it's like, that's not, not that she's a babysitter, but she's in a house all alone, all alone. And she should be kind of on high alert, but they were really clever in playing their, like not playing their hand too soon. Like mm-hmm. the killer is just nonchalant for long enough that she finds nothing wrong with kind of conversing with him and playing with him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they play that for the the exact right amount of time before it switches and it gets really like nefarious. And I think that that's great. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love the the reveal line when he's like, I just want to know what's your name? Why do you want to know? So I can know who I'm looking at. That mm-hmm. line is so good because it's just so creepy. And it, like you said, it comes at like the perfect timing where I think as audience members, you're on edge, right? Coming from the idea that like you're watching us for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. It's a strange, it's a strange occurrence to have this semi creepy voice like talking with Casey, right? But the conversation is like you said, nonchalant enough that it doesn't pop off too many red flags. Like even though it's strange that this person is calling her over and over and over again. You kind of let it go after they start, um, you know, bouncing off each other and they start having a little bit of fun on the phone. Mm-hmm. You almost for, kind of forget that this could be a dangerous scenario until that line drops. And then the entire scene just takes such a swift 180. Do you have a boyfriend? Mm, no. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Um, it's just, I was, I was definitely enamored this time around. Um, granted, I'm always like impressed by this first scene, but I think really this time sitting down and putting an analytical lens on it, I I got to appreciate just how well done the scene is. Cause I think before coming back and watching it, right. A lot of times when I thought about the scene, the parts that I remembered were the death parts. Like I always remember Mm -hmm. her boyfriend getting gutted just cause that image when I was younger was so terrifying, right? And then the image of her after she gets killed and, like, you f- you find out that Drew Barrymore is not going to be in the entire movie. You're like, excuse me? What? <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay. Like, those- sure, because... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no go, go for it, go for it. No, but I was going to say, because, yeah, I mean, this is something that is talked about so much is the surprise of her not being the main character of the movie. Because I think now... This is a star-studded cast in, in the present. Mm-hmm. But at the time, a lot of people in this movie weren't super well-known or weren't famous in the same regard that Drew Barrymore was. She was the headline of this movie. She was the, the one to be. Yeah, all you know the other actors in it had been in stuff, but most of them were coming from TV. And mm-hmm. like that was not the big draw. Like she was. I think honestly. Nev Campbell, because she was in Party of Five, and like mm-hmm. she was in some, she probably would have been higher, more known than Courtney Cox at the time. Yeah, that's which, fair. Cra- it's crazy. Like now, not it's not crazy now because Nev Campbell's like huge. But mm-hmm. now, I think you know, by the time that the second Scream came came out, then Courtney Cox was probably like doing it up big time, yeah. popping champagne. Yeah, um, what a what a, what a <laughs> <laughs> right, like living big. <laughs> 
But what a, what a smart way, though, to throw your audience for a loop, though. And I also love the fact that it was her idea, too, because I think originally they wanted her to play. They wanted her to play Sydney. Um, right. And she was just so fixated on that first scene. She was like, no, I want to play. I want to play Casey. I want to be in that first scene. That's my favorite scene in the whole thing. And like, I'm sure for them, that was like rough right at the beginning because they're like, damn, right. we thought we we're going to have Drew Barrymore. Um, but I think what it did overall for the movie as a whole um, was worth it. And I do think in the in the grand scheme of things, it was the right choice. Oh, yeah. And and honestly, it's the scene that most people think of when they think of this first scream. Honestly, when you think of this first scream, I think you either think of the beginning or the ending, at least when right. I do, because yeah. it's like you have no. the party scene or you have the opening scene. And those are kind of the big moments because so much happens in those scenes that you associate with this movie um but i think too what's great about this scene that i love is they do a good job throughout the movie with this but i think they you know start off the gate pretty hot with showing that these are just kids like they're just high schoolers and so there's a certain naive air about some of them and this idea of oh well everything's fine and mm -hmm. everything's going to be fine i'm kind of i'm gonna live forever and i feel like you really see that in in this part because like i said she's just having a conversation and just kind of playing around and i think back to when i was a kid and i used to like go into chat rooms <laughs> just like random <laughs> like go into chat rooms online nope, and same talking here. to people and i'm like how wild was I the audacity <laughs> I had to be talking to strangers and mm -hmm. just, you know, and have no idea who I was talking to, but you really have this feeling of, oh, everything's going to be fine. And I love, I, I love that they end this opening bit with the parents coming home. Oh, it's the, so tragic. And, uh, it's, it's so, so tragic. tragic. But you really, re it, I feel like it really drives home that these are kids and they really don't know what they're, you know, they're relying on this bravado that they have until things go wrong. And then they really are just like running for their parents. And it just sucks that they were a little bit too late. But I think uh, I just love that ending bit with the mom when she sees her in the tree and she screams. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Honestly, I think her, her mom, I don't know if she gets enough credit for like how good her performance mm -hmm. in that scene is. It's it, so sad. Yeah, it hit it hit me this time. Like, if you really listen to like her voice when she's delivering those lines, you really believe her. She sounds Casey. like Casey. Yeah, she's like. Like when the, I think it's right around the time like she, like they 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 find the phone and they can hear her and all. Mm -hmm. It's just oh, it's yeah. so sad. The moment when they walk into the house and she's just on the lawn, just getting 
destroyed mm-hmm. every time I see it. It just makes me want to weep, man, because it's just so sad that she was so close, so close yes, to getting saved. And yet so far, because she she's she's plays it. I mean, this deck, this the the deck, the deck, <laughs> the deck. The deck was always stacked against her. She was always outnumbered, outwitted. She never really stood a chance, especially because they cut to the outside of her house and there's not a neighbor within three miles of her. (laughs) She's alone in this isolated big old house. But yeah, I mean, she never, she did the best she could with what she was given. It was always going to end this way. And I, I just, I think the most heartbreaking part of it is when the parents come in and they can tell that something is wrong yeah. and they're really panicking because it's that moment of why is the kitchen on fire which i think that was such a smart thing to have this extra mini emergency happening that she can't even focus on because mm-hmm. she's dealing with an even bigger situation like i love that the popcorn is just and flames the entire scene <laughs> but yeah it's like they come in there's this fire going on their daughter is missing and this panic that ensues from that, I just always think that that's a great moment. But I think another thing, too, that's great about this opening scene, and then we can move on, is you really see from the very beginning, I think because Scream does have a comedic side to it, that you can kind of forget that, or you don't forget that it's horror, but you can focus on the on the comedy of it quite a bit. And... Like you, you see how sadistic and like brutal and sinister these killers are mm-hmm. in this very beginning because they're they first of all use a knife as a weapon, which is all like a hacking weapon is always pretty brutal. But you know they're they're very voyeuristic and like you know it's like almost like a performance for them the whole murder sequence and then they always put their bodies up on display in some way and yeah. everything they do it's it's so obvious that they in, are enjoying doing what they're doing and i think that in a movie that can be really funny and can be really meta it's it's nice to have that juxtaposition of like oh these killers are like a real threat like i don't want to be killed by them because they they don't seem to have any control and and i like that but i also like that they're humans like they're this is going after this time of having like michael myers and jason and freddie it's nice to have killers that are clumsy and who can be human because you do have this feeling of like hey maybe she'll make it okay no she's dead like there's that moment of mm-hmm. feeling like there's a possibility that they could fight back, but they're just always, you know, they're always at a disadvantage for the most part. The victims are. Yeah, I agree. I really like that we had this human killer because um, it is kind of a it's it's a change from the supernatural killers that we were getting around this time, right? And this whole notion that the killers can kind of be anybody is always, like, a fun part, I think, of the Scream franchise. Um, it, and something that I think a lot of people look forward to when they when they approach this franchise, too, is this idea that who is this killer? Why? Like, what is their motive? Like, why are they doing these things? And I do think after you've seen this movie, like, once and you get the reveal, which, you know, we'll talk about later on. 
I think it does add something to the movie and its rewatchability, actually, yeah. because when you go back and you rewatch these scenes with the killers, knowing who is behind the mask, I think it really adds different elements to some of the scenes because you know who you know who's doing these killings, right? But you also have to watch them navigate real life too. And so watching them jump back and forth is actually a lot of fun because mm-hmm. once you know the answer to the mystery, then you can watch the mystery unfold the next time you watch through it. And that was something that I had a lot of fun doing this watch through is trying to catch all the little like hints, you know, and like pieces of yeah. like, ah, we're trying to tell you, like, wasn't this kind of weird that this happened? Blah, 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 blah. Cause Scream never really like openly gives you who the killers are. It makes it pretty hard to guess. Like, I know there are some people out there that was like, oh, I knew who it was the first time I watched it. Yada, yada, yada. To that person, you know, good for you. But I think for most people, um, the fun of these movies is trying to figure out who the killer is. And I do like that um, that Kevin Williamson put in these like tiny little bits that if you did piece all of them together, um, you may be able to actually crack the code and figure out who mm-hmm. the killer is. Well, and the thing about it, too, is, though, even if you do think like even if you do know, like you're like, ah, it's Billy, like I know, mm-hmm. you know, even if you feel that way, there's two, which yeah. you probably don't expect because. Mm-hmm. Up until the end, there is no indication that there would be more than one. It seems very obvious that there would be one. So I think that is an awesome way of saying, hey, even if you kind of clock what the fuck's going on, here's a little extra thing for you. Maybe you didn't see this coming. And then they like push Stu out of the back and say, here you go. And I think (laughs) that's fun because, yeah, it's kind of also a turn where we have two killers now instead of one kind of killer that you know people are going up against and and that's them that is always them it's kind of cool to say no ghostface is the entity and the persona but there's multiple people that can be ghostface because then you get into this thing of throughout the series of saying okay well who's my favorite ghostface and why Mm -hmm. and it can be any of them and it's not just ghostface as a because they all have their own different you know vibes their different swags but can we talk about toxic boyfriend Billy? Because wow, is he not shit. Like, yeah. I, I I know he's not, and, and he never was, and he never will be. But every single time I rewatch this movie, I'm just taken aback by how shitty of a boyfriend he is. And the fact that Sydney is still with him is... It's pretty it bad. Just shocks me every single time. It's pretty. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah, for like it's such a smart bad. character, it does suck to like see her with Billy. Um, I don't know if it's like a reason, but I guess you could maybe say that you know losing her mom and stuff has made her more precious with the people in her life. I, um, yeah. so maybe it makes it more difficult to get rid of him. Um. But it, from what we can tell in this movie, it seems like every other conversation they have is Billy being like, so we're going to fuck or. Yeah. So am I going to see you naked or what? And she's like, what? Like, <laughs> I know your mom died like a year ago today, but like, can we like fuck or not? Nah? Like, what's but going on? Are we ever going to have sex or what's up? I'm like, dude, you're the worst. And <laughs> and I, th- I actually think that you're right. I. I 
going through grief can really make you latch on to the person that maybe was there for you through that time. Mm -hmm. And Billy and Sydney were dating when her mom died. And so I'm sure she felt very connected to him because of that. But oh my God. Yeah, it's it's not how not only is Bill. <laughs> Billy is like the way that he is, is so brooding, so intense. And and it's obvious that when they first got together, it was very sexual. Like it was a very sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I James don't, Dean vibe to him. Yeah. It's like they have nothing in common anymore because all they did when they first got together was make out apparently. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and oh my God. Yeah. If, if my if my boyfriend climbed into my window and basically told me that I reminded them of The Exorcist when it was cut for TV because all the good stuff was cut out, <laughs> they would be mur I would be, I would be murdering someone at that point in time. I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> it's time for you to be pushed out the window, I think, actually. <laughs> it's, it's time for you to go. <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> Yeah, nah, Billy really ain't shit. He truly, he truly isn't. Um, but I did like that the movie made him a suspect very early. I did think that oh. that was super smart writing to, um, yes. because the movie kind of sets it up for you to believe that he is the killer anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So why not just get it out of the way and be like, yeah, it's Billy. And then, you know, three scenes later be like, actually, it might not be Billy. Because uh, Killer's still out there, you know? Like, it's, it's very smart writing there to... I think it was very smart writing on Kevin's part to kind of know where the audience's train of thought is going and then find ways to very quickly subvert it because the whole... Again, the whole point is to just not know, right? You always have to be in that era of, like, I'm not really sure. Um, right. So I did love that the movie did that. But I also loved, despite the fact that... Um, Billy and honestly kind of Stu in his own weird way are toxic as fuck. Uh, I did like this group dynamic um, because it felt very much like a group in a slasher movie. Like this felt mm -hmm. like the quintessential slasher movie group for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And honestly, as quirky and weird as, you know, obviously they're, they're playing up. It, it's meant to be kind of played up and fun. And, but their their group works. I told. I definitely feel like because Sydney. It, it definitely feels like Randy is there because Sydney. Like that's probably why he was in the group. And mm -hmm. Then Sydney and Tatum are best friends, and they feel like they do friends. feel like best friends. They and, feel like they have but, a genuine connection. Yeah, they feel like they have a connection. But you can just tell that Tatum is more outgoing, more popular than Sydney probably is. Mm -hmm. Or maybe Sydney was at one point, and since her mom died, things have changed. And then. Tatum would date a guy like Stu and Billy is brought, you know, is dating Sydney. And so that's their connection to each other. And I think it makes sense. I love Tatum. I think she's an I I I think she's a great character. And I think she's a great example of a best friend character that still feels separate to the main girl like mm -hmm. i don't feel like her existence begins and ends with sydney i feel like she has a whole life and a whole like yes she's there for her friend and she's supporting her friend but it feels like she has her own things that she likes and does and her own personality 
And I've always appreciated that about her character. And obviously, I also, as annoying as Stu is, Matthew Lillard is amazing as him. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say, honestly, every time I watch this movie, I can't with Stu, man. Stu's too much. Stu is too much. Just from like an actor standpoint of just like the amount of shit that Stu will do in the span of 30 seconds every time I'm like, bruh, how much Adderall did you have before this scene? Oh, yeah, he's buzzing this whole movie. I mean, it really feels like they gave him free reign to just do whatever whatever he wants like whatever he wants and like the (laughs) i think the more you watch it you just you do get used to it and like you become accustomed to the character um but even matthew lillard looking back on that character he's always like i don't know how i got away with the choices i was making (laughs) um so even he knows so i know i'm not just blowing smoke out my ass here Mm -hmm. but his quirks aside I do think that each of them being so specific to themselves helps bring the group's dynamic to the forefront because yeah, every character is unique in their own way. Each one has their thing that kind of makes them them. And I really like that. Um, And I think it extends even past this group into some of the other auxiliary characters, um, especially when you get into like Gale and and Dewey. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Each character has their own vibe and their own feels and they follow it from the beginning of the movie all the way to the end. Yeah. Dewey. Dewey is one of my least favorite characters in this movie, to be to be to be honest. Um, You want to know what's funny is this time around, he was actually one of my favorites. Really? I have hated Dewey every single (laughs) viewing of this movie up until now. But this last viewing, I had such a soft spot for Dewey. I truly did. I prefer Dewey in the sequels, but it's so funny because the moments that I think are the funniest are Dewey moments. Like one of the funniest moments in this movie to me is when Ghostface calls Sydney at their house and Dewey runs out after he hangs up and he like still picks up the phone. He's like, hello. I don't like (laughs) that's like one of my favorite moments in this whole movie. Besides, I'm feeling a little woozy. That's like my that's one of my favorite lines because I quote it like every couple of days. (laughs) But Dewey's moments, I think, are awesome. My favorite Dewey moment in the movie this time around was on. It's so subtle, and I never really caught how funny it was until this time around. But it's like in the halfway point when he's like doing his little uh, chat with like the police, like sheriff or whatever, and they're mm-hmm. standing outside. And the sheriff's having a smoke, and Dewey's just eating an ice cream cone. <laughs> that scene is hilarious. It's yeah. so funny. How can you not like this guy? He's adorable. Dewey is, I think I just get tired. And it, like I said, this kind of gets much better along the line and they don't play into it so much, which I prefer, is I just kind of get tired of the, the oh, Dewey is hapless and, and gets scared really easily and is really inept at his job and everybody bosses him around. Like, mm-hmm. especially in the moments with Tatum, you know, talking down to him while he's mm-hmm. at his job like those are my least favorite moments because i'm just like it's it's 
it's fair, you know, things like that do happen. But I think that it, in this movie, it starts to feel like that's all he is. He is just inept at his job and and doesn't and it, the first pretty girl that kind of smiles his way that completely clouds his vision i i just i feel like out of all of the other characters he has the least interesting things to work with but the scenarios that it affords for him like i said are are funny so i understand why he's like that it just it they don't work in in long form bits for me. They work better as like quick moments. I, I think that's fair. I think for me, what swayed my thinking on Dewey this time around is like, I feel like when you really watch him and analyze him, his character is just so earnest and honest. And like, yeah, he is a complete fuck up and he is not good at the things that he does. But Every time you see him or like every every decision or move that he makes, I feel like it does come from a true place for Dewey and it comes from an earnest place. Like he just seems like a good guy in the wrong job. Like I think he wants to be like he wants the um, respect and power that comes with, you know, working on the police force. But he should be working as like an ice cream man. You know, like I think yeah. he's just in the wrong profession for who he is. It's it's earnest but it's earnest scared stupid that's who it is <laughs> earnest from the series <laughs> it's fair it's fair but it also it also adds a dynamic too though of later on once we get to like the the big night and you realize that damn the only thing really protecting these kids is dewey is dewey um but yeah dewey <laughs> dewey is there for the party despite his boss you know reiterating curfew there's a curfew <laughs> and he's like but what if i took the golden golden egg that everybody seems to be after what if i hand delivered her to this party though to be fair a party is kind of like the best place to be if you're worried about being murdered because at least you're around a lot of people. Like, yeah. it's, well, it's, in it theory, was, according to this right, movie, right? <laughs> in theory, but it's so interesting to me that they say, "Oh, we're gonna, we're going to put a curfew. Everybody needs to be home by this time," and they're doing that because the killings happened at a cer certain time. But the killers have only struck people at their homes. So, why would you tell everyone, "Hey, you need to be home before it gets dark"? You're you're sending them to the place where the killers are most likely going to kill them instead of saying, hey, <laughs> everybody, maybe maybe strengthen numbers type of situation. May maybe. I don't know. I feel like it's usually in these kind of scenarios, kind of like standard procedure to just be like curfew. Th that'll solve everything. Curfew will uh, solve If everything. they're not out and about, then they can't get slaughtered. You know, then they can't Cinema. get slaughtered. But it's like. They're still going to get killed for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it, but yeah. Uh, well, talk to me really quickly. I'm um, shifting gears a little bit. Talk to me about Gail. How do you feel about Gail? I really like Gail. Yeah? Gail is very off-putting and, you know, out there. And she's really in people's faces. And I, I think that this movie does have a nice commentary on the media um, and the way that they kind of sensationalize horrible things that happen and almost treat it, you know, very clinically. It's no longer about a person. It's about this 
it's about ratings and it's about we need to get this out as soon as possible and how that can impact people that were close to those victims. Like, I, I do think that I've always thought that that was a part of Scream that is so important is the way that the murders always get spun into like pop culture like it, we get it later with the stab series that they do like these people these real people that die get just turned into these characterizations of themselves mm-hmm. and so i feel like gail is a great example of that because for sydney that's what gail is she's the worst side of the media but i also think that there's something awesome about gail even before she makes you know her little her little comeback gotcha moment in the end. Even before that, I she's a you know she's really going after what she wants, not in the best way, and she's really shitty to Kenny, <laughs> which <Yeah>. sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, Super damn, shitty. Gail, why are you like the worst person ever? But it's hard. Like, there's something about her that's really intriguing, and I think too because she is like always going to bat for cotton weary who is someone that she is is so sure is innocent and who is going to be prosecuted for something that he didn't do Mm -hmm. and i always thought that that was just like obviously you know i do there's a lot of that that is for probably for you know her books and her her show and and to gain garner kind of some viewership from that but there is also a part of her that is like really serious about that and i feel like we start to see that a lot later on with her as the series goes on is her like innate sense of justice but she always has this issue of battling between an innate sense of justice and then and a sense of stardom like she is always flip-flopping between the two and you really don't ever know which one is winning for her although i think in this first one it's very clear that it's always star being a star or being you know working her way up because even in the end when she has her moment where she can kind of turn the tables and take down the killers she has to say breaking news this story is going to be about the reporter <laughs> like she like mm-hmm. does this whole thing where she's like oh this whole thing is going to be about me and like how i overtook you guys instead of just saying instead of just killing or you know or like just telling trying to help sydney in that moment like what she is but there's an ulterior motive to that as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Gail. I mean, like, Gail, she's, like, kind of a bitch, but she's also a bad bitch. And I think that's yeah. what's endearing about her is she get, she gets what she wants. And um, I don't know how I missed it in all the other watches, but I never really clocked the fact that she was. It, it just didn't piece. I didn't piece together the fact that she was right when she has that first confrontation with Sydney about her mom and and her mom's death where she's like talking her through it and she's like you don't even you're not even sure anymore are Mm -hmm. you like you're so sure that i'm this evil person but like i'm presenting you with facts that even sydney's like you got a slight point there like she won't say it obviously but the fact that she was one of the few if not the only person who knew the whole time that um there was something up with marine's death I think that says a lot about her character and its nuance where you can hate her, but she was right, you know? Right. And so even though her actions are definitely questionable um, (laughs) a lot of the times, um, there is still that fact that 
she is a smart, strong character. Yeah. Um, and it's not just from a malicious standpoint. That's just who she is. Like, that is her personality. And I like that she sticks with it. And I like that that is something that is a defining characteristic that she's not going to sugarcoat for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think we could see or I think we could do to see more characters written like that where they're just strong in their own ways, but they're, they still have their own unique quirks that make them different. Um, I think she's just a really well-written character, even though she serves kind of like this anti-hero position in the story. Yes, and you're right. She she's strong within who she is, and I I love that she ends the movie still being who she is. It's not like she has this aha moment where all of a sudden she's different and she's changed. No, she cleans a little bit of the blood off of herself, and she's like, "I'm going to be the first reporter on the scene." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like, like, no, bro, that's what? Gail. I agree. That is exactly <laughs> yeah. who Gail and, is and what she would do. And it makes sense because you're like, yeah, she would still be herself. And yeah, Kenny needs the, a raise though. She don't treat him right. Can somebody send his family? Like she better compensate <laughs> them. Something he, my boy, didn't even want to be there. <laughs> like <laughs> he did not sign up for that. Um, and but it's the same thing too with her and Sydney's relationship. Is they still have this disdain for each other even through the ending. It's not like all of a sudden they're friends and they have this understanding. You know, it's it's. They do have a certain understanding because they were both there for each other and the fact that they helped save each other's lives. But it's not, they don't have some kind of like, oh, you know, maybe we were wrong about each other. Because no, they're the the same people that they still have the same morals that they began the movie with at the end, Mm -hmm. which I like. I think that that holds true in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And speaking of Sydney, I mean... Sydney's a great final girl. Oh I, yeah, I one of always, one of my favorites now for sure. Actually, like yeah. I, I really grew attached to Sydney this time around. I'm always struck by how brave she is, even in the beginning. And maybe it's this feeling of like, oh, I have nothing left to lose, kind of a thing. But she is, she feels meek in the sense of she. I think just Nev Campbell kind of when she's younger, just gives off this very like innocent kind of air about her. So she almost feels like she might be like more soft or more shy, more quiet, someone that can kind of easily be taken um, advantage of. But she's not like she kind of puts herself out there and is very strong in the like her beliefs in the way that she feels. She fights back against like, you know, Gail, she's yeah, not she gonna take any. Bull- yeah, I'm like, she's not gonna take any bullshit from Gail. She, like that first moment that she has with Ghostface, where she talks to him on the phone. Like, I love that she's like, "Oh, you're on my porch, okay." And she like goes she out and calls, porch, like, yeah, right, and like calls though? his bluff because there's, uh, yeah, to me, like to me, that's dumb because like I would never in my f- fucking life do something like that. Like I would be like, okay, <laughs> like I'd be like, yep, you're probably on my porch, but. It feels very, I don't know, something about the way she does it. She's just like such a badass about it that I'm like, okay, Sydney. And I love the part too where she's in the bathroom and I don't, she's just always so aware. 
like of her surroundings and she's always willing to fight mm -hmm. and be very like s creative and smart about the way that she fights back and protects herself and i just i don't know i just love that about her yeah sydney's a great character and i agree i think a lot of it comes from that great melding of the strength that she has as a person but also her natural vulnerability and I don't know how much of that is just written into the character and how much of that is just Nev, but it really, really, um, I think it aids in the audience members wanting to see her succeed because she's just, uh, uh, she's a normal person who is getting these very abnormal circumstances thrust upon her mm -hmm. and she's taken, she's taken the blows and like, she's, not afraid to stand up for herself and she's not afraid to protect herself like the quickness with which um she peace even though like he gets released right the quickness with which she like clock that like billy shows up after she gets attacked with a phone and she's like yeah no arrest this fool like arrest mm -hmm. him right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> get him out of my fucking house like he's the killer like she is so quick to protect herself there and yeah when she punches gail because gail's talking that shit mm -hmm. it's it just shows that, like, even though this is a character who seems on the quieter side, she's not to be messed with. And I love watching the evolution of that, like the longer and deeper you go into the movie and the more stuff that she has to put up with. Um, I like watching her grow. I like watching her fight back. And I think that that's a huge reason why people have over the years become so fond of this character and of Nev. Um, because it's just such a great take on the final girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's awesome. <clears throat> and then she's another instance where when she's talking on the phone, she says something like, oh, like she says she doesn't like horror movies and she thinks that it's so stupid how, you know, every every victim always runs upstairs instead of running out the front door. Mm -hmm. And then when she has her like uh when she comes face to face with Ghostface, she tries to run out the front door but she, but fucked she up. <laughs> bolted it yeah she like dead bolted it and she can't open it again mm -hmm. and so she has to run upstairs like little things like that i just think are so yeah those are are so smart yeah those are the fun moments and again kevin williamson was fucking genius for the script and being able to piece those little things in there because that's that's such a subtle thing that you have to kind of be looking out for to really uh to really clock but when you clock those, yeah, it just makes the experience um, so much better. And it adds fun to it as well to have a character that knows the rules but still fucks up the rules anyway. Yeah. I think that is a lot of fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so and a lot of this this middle bit is spent kind of building up the building up the, the characters and also kind of letting it spread throughout Woodsboro the the panic and the fear from what's going on. Because really, in between the beginning and the party, there's not a ton. Ghostface, the killers, they don't do a ton. They only really kill, they only kill one person. But there's a lot of playing with how, like I said, how the news of these killings the way that these teenagers are handling that like that's a pretty big chunk of the middle of the movie is the different ways that people are kind of reacting to and handling that and then of course like i said we get the interaction with sydney and ghostface but other than that 
the next big chunk of it would be the party because that's what like the last 25 well, minutes like of the, the movie hour i feel like isn't it like the early? <laughs> i think i think it's like 25 the last like half hour maybe at top maybe tops. if it feels like like it feels like it's a solid half the movie is them <laughs> at that party yeah. <laughs> which i don't mind because a lot of the fun stuff happens at that party um yeah because uh i mean you get introduced to it right at the beginning with casey and her boyfriend's death but um for how funny and fun this movie is it's still a slasher and these mm-hmm. deaths and these kills really don't play there are some pretty brutal deaths and what's fun is like a lot of them will be brutal, but but in their own way, they're also like kind of funny too. Like mm-hmm. there's still this element of comedy, despite the fact that people are being murdered. Like you still find little things to kind of like laugh at. Like the like Tatum's death sucks so much, but the but the scenario is kind of funny. And like watching Ghostface get beat up. Um, yeah, he's so clumsy in that he's scene. <laughs> so clumsy in that scene, and that's so fun because you're like, yeah. "Damn, she's she's probably about to die." But but look at Ghostface taking beer bottles to the head. That's funny. <laughs> to, the, to the mask, and yeah, then to be killed like... by a garage door. You mm-hmm. know, like little shit like that is like that's such a creative death. It is a really creative death, and it's awesome because. I always used to have this weak fear about garage doors and like oh, the yeah. are not working. About this. Yeah, and it's not. I don't think that that is something that could. Ah, I mean, maybe if your garage door was like malfunctioning to the maximum, it might just keep going. But I think most garage doors have like a safety feature where they catch themselves. But it's still like when I first watched this. At the time, I didn't know that. I was so I thought that was so scary, and it is a great death. I'm glad that they d- did something different because up to that point, like I said, we had seen Ghostface killing in kind of a similar way for most of their victims, and it was always brutal, but it was usually by stabbing or mm-hmm. of some sort. And this was such a fun use of the surroundings and the circumstances, and like I said, it just really felt like Ghostface was being was really getting the shit beat out of them and was like okay I need to I need to take this chance like this might be, <laughs> this might be all my shot my only shot to get <laughs> to get her and I think the thing too that's so scary about it is the fact that she's just kind of stuck there for the entirety of the time that it takes for the garage door to bring her all the way up mm-hmm. and there's like nothing she can do besides just flail and scream and kind of know that she's gonna die i just think that that's especially when like i said when you think about it these they're high schoolers like they're kids and yeah it's just like this moment of but then don't get me wrong hey i'm still about get them kids like kill them kids i I, (laughs) I ain't mad about it i'm just saying i feel like for some reason in this movie it feels very evident that they and maybe it's because everyone does look younger and now when we cast high school kids they look like they're in their 30s so i like can kind of disconnect from it a lot more <laughs> than, than normal um but that is also an awesome scene and once again an iconic scene from this movie that i think a lot of people think about um when they think of scream mm-hmm. do you have a favorite part from the party probably so i this one is is probably up there but i think my my favorite part is after everything's popping off Mm -hmm. and sydney runs out to the van the news van 
and they're watching on the screen bef- and before Kenny remembers that there's a delay mm-hmm. and Ghostface is already outside. I I just think that that moment is great because it's a great setup and payoff because earlier in the movie they, they say that and it almost feels like a throwaway line. And I love that it comes back later to kind of bite them in the ass. Mm-hmm. I just think, yeah, that's a that's a great moment. What about yours? <laughs> um, man, it's it's really it's got to be the kitchen scene. Like it really has to be the kitchen scene. The kitchen yeah. scene gets better every time I see it. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is another moment that I think Sydney's awesome because she does not give a fuck, and she's like, "Y'all are y'all are punks." Like, <laughs> I don't. Y'all both are dumb, and I can't stand either one of you. And I'm like, Sydney, girl, you gonna die. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I just like I think what I love about that the kitchen scene, outside of just how funny it is in its own way, um, it has one of the best lines that's ever been said in a movie. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really fun to watch the ghost faces be terrible murderers because they are <laughs> just high schoolers. It's it's almost like when they're in the costume despite the fact that they're still clumsy, it gives them this like supernatural confidence to actually get these kills done in the way that they need to happen. Like things go their way when they're actually ghost face. Um, also, this is, you know, the point where it's revealed that there's two of them and it's Stu and Billy. But when they're out of costume and it's just them, it's so fun to watch them kind of be like bumbling idiots a little bit because it's like at first you're afraid of them, right? Because they've got, they've got Sydney dead to rights. Like, this is it. This is where they're going to, they, their whole master plan is coming to fruition. And then they're just so easily distracted by the most random shit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so fun to watch things play out where it's like, they'll be distracted by something and they'll look back and they'll be like, uh, we lost the gun. What do you mean? We lost the gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost Sydney. What do you mean? We lost Sydney. <laughs> like, yeah. It, it turns into this kind of like three stooges, there's only two of them but like you get what i'm saying it's like they're it's fun to watch them fail after they got away with everything up until that so much and it yeah and like it's once again that feeling of they think that they are invincible they think that they've got all of this figured out and it's this uh, like naive aspect that they have where everything is just going to fall into place because it has so far Mm. and honestly it it's like they got too big for their britches. They get super cocky because they are so, Billy is so insistent on this reveal. It's he has to have this reveal to Sydney. Mm-hmm. She's gotta know the grand plan. When the power that they had was the element of surprise. That's why they can take so many people out at this party because they, they still have this two tango thing that they're doing they have everything planned out up to a certain amount of time and nobody knows that they're the killers so they can be themselves and take people by surprise but they can also be ghostface mm-hmm. and that works and then billy has to get his like big dick moment where he's like mm-hmm, we all go a little mad and like do all this <laughs> stuff for sydney and that's what fucks them up because mm-hmm. he has to have this bravado and the showmanship and it's not necessary, but 
they have this cocky feeling about them because it's gone so well up to this point. How could it go wrong? And it's like, that's the thing that does them under is that I'm invincible. Nothing can go wrong feeling. Yeah. Like, it'll never make sense to me why they decided to do the stab each other portion of their plan before well, killing Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> I, I never got that. I don't think I ever will. Um, but I was like, <laughs> did you need her to see that for this plan to work? Um, yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Are you, did this have to happen right now? Yeah. Like, so I get what y'all are going for with that con. Like, I get it. And, like, it's not, like, the worst reasoning. But your your timing here is not it's not good. Like, your, your sequencing awful. is off. It's awful. Especially because Billy basically incapacitates his his help like <laughs> he stabs Stu so much that Stu is basically useless for <laughs> half of this, the rest of this plan he's sick fucks you've seen one too many movies now Sid don't you blame the movies movies don't create psychos movies make psychos for creating us stop it Billy would you alright I can't take anymore I'm feeling woozy here and it's like, okay, yeah, maybe you guys stab each other once while she's still alive. Maybe for some reason that is how the the plan needs to unfold. But I mean, Bo Billy goes in, and so then, yeah, you you've left it to yourself basically to ensure that the rest of these people get killed, and that your plan goes off without a hitch because Stu is leaking out liters of blood. <laughs> over in the chair this man's <laughs> like, blood tank was near emptied <laughs> empty yes it was it was looking real rough but i mean it's and that's what i think but it's i think billy really underestimates sydney because she she has like i said this air about her where i'm sure to them they think oh sydney's gonna be the easiest one to to take out mm -hmm. but it's Interesting that they do that because, and I always have to wonder, I'm sure not. Like, I'm sure earlier when they attacked her, it was meant more to scare her. But at the same time, it kind of just feel like they were trying to kill her in that moment. I, and, uh, like, I feel like they would have to be, right? Because, like, why, why else reveal, like, why else do it if you weren't going to, like, go through it if you caught her? You know right. what I mean? Like, I don't understand what the reasoning there is. Which then does kind of lead to why she needs to be the final girl right? Um, for your plan to go off um, outside of you getting to monologue, I guess. But <laughs> I don't know. It's just there There were little points where I was like, the ghost, the go the ghost place, the <laughs> ghost face plan has some flaws. But I think that is also OK, because, again, these are people um, the mm -hmm. one thing that I don't think I can honestly let go, and I, I, another thing I didn't notice before, but like in the middle sections, right? Like when we're starting to like ramp stuff up, especially with ghost, ghost face, um, there are some like moments where like the characters will be walking around and like ghost face will like be in the bushes <laughs> or like yeah. be like in a store somewhere. In a grocery store in broad daylight in the chips aisle. Yeah. I'm like. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why would he be there? <laughs> yeah, and it's like they're very much playing it like that's 
the real ghost face and not like one of the kids playing around because it's like if it was a kid playing around why would they not let sydney see them yeah and yeah it's like (laughs) they're just there in the grocery store and nobody nobody bats an eye and yeah they're there behind the tree and now (laughs) they're going to the bushes and now they're at sydney's house but they're behind the fence it's like (laughs) what are we doing here (laughs) it's like yeah we're setting up like yeah ghost faces everywhere he can be anywhere he can be anyone yeah i get it but also that don't make no goddamn sense and you know it that's when it know that don't make no sense (laughs) that's when it feels like a a parody of halloween like Mm -hmm. it start. that's when it starts to feel like they're like okay they're they're poking fun at that idea of like oh the killer is constantly stalking them and yeah, it's which like, is- why which works but mm-hmm. it, it's it's just funny because it it does happen all within like a, a short span of time and it doesn't happen any other time in the movie mm-hmm. um so yeah it is it's a little bit silly but <laughs> it's it's silly but at the end of the day you still like ghostface right like ghostface is still oh, yeah. such an iconic killer and i do think uh so, especially with the first movie even just the notion that it is two people, it's such a simple concept. But when you really think about it, what a great concept for a killer. Like, yeah. it's short, sweet, and easy. But it's something that I think hadn't been explored too much up until that time of this idea of a of a supernatural killer. But he's only supernatural and can be in multiple places at once because it's multiple people. Two, yeah. Yeah. It's a great idea. And it's it makes so much sense once it's revealed and because i i think that's it's you're right it's smart because up to that point you could say okay well maybe this is a supernatural thing because how are they how is all of this going so well like how are they always everywhere they need to be and then the reveal happens and you're like duh of course Mm -hmm. of course it's two people like that makes a lot of sense and you have to think about all the orchestrating that billy and Stu had to do behind the scenes Mm -hmm. just to make all of that work like what the maybe they are geniuses and masterminds because that just seems like a lot that they had to they had to go through but and And, i think oh go ahead well i was gonna say and the character i do think that they do play on the idea that once ghostface is in ghostface form although he is a human i do still think he has some supernatural aspects to him where yeah normal person wouldn't be able to do this but because it's the killer right now um, the movie lets it slide, which I'm actually okay with. Like that doesn't bother me too much. But also, Roger Roger L. Jackson, I mean, his voice now is like you know insanely famous for being Ghostface, and I think that was another very smart thing to do is to associate a look and a voice with this killer, mm-hmm. and not like I said, not it's not the same person every time, but it is going to follow these things. It's going to follow these rules. It's going to be this mask. Although that look, they're having a slightly different mask in the new one, which, you know, is is fine. And then the voice, which mm-hmm. is phenomenal, so, which is phenomenal, fantastic, equal. Like I said, equal parts, creepy and charming, like mm-hmm. just enough where you i mean i think if you hear a voice like that now because of scream you uh you kind of think of it as more sinister but at that time i wouldn't i wouldn't have i i wouldn't have thought anything weird about hearing that kind of a a voice but Mm -hmm. i think it's yeah i think it's just a good combination of an unassuming voice that and then it slips so easily into 
bad. Like, yeah, oh my God, this sinister. is bad. Yeah. He also, he also brings, I think, also this air of intelligence mm-hmm. to Ghostface as well um, that you really get to hear during the phone conversations. I think that is another fun part about it is it adds to the maliciousness, how smart this character is and how twisted Ghostface is in terms of how how they terrorize whoever they're talking to on the phone. Um, I, I, I think it's a great added layer that Roger L. Jackson um, definitely delivers. Um, I mean, his voice is fantastic. He, you could tell that he has so much fun doing the voice, especially like when you go back and like watch some interviews with him, he is eating it up. Like he lives for that. Um, oh, yeah. For that role. He absolutely loved it, um, which I, I appreciate. Yeah, I'm so I'm so happy. I mean, it sounds like everybody had a blast filming this movie and mm-hmm. everyone got along really well. They hung out a lot with each other. And I know for like Jamie Kennedy said that he cried when filming was done because he Aww. had so much fun and he loved hanging out with everybody for so long. And he said that Courtney Cox was like, like, sweetie, this is. Like it's like summer camp, you know. Like this is the business. You 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 get to be together every day for a while, and then and then you know it always has to end, which mm-hmm. I totally get. That was always the worst part of doing shows is you get so they're so especially when they're fun. I mean, when they suck, you're like, can we finish this? <laughs> but when they're fun, it does suck to to know that that's not always going to be the case. It's it's going to end. But mm-hmm. yeah, it makes me really happy to know that they had such a fun time on set and that everybody enjoyed themselves so much and enjoyed the movie so much, obviously, because everybody keeps coming back for yeah. it. <laughs> At least be... everybody that's still alive, you know. That's true. That's true. And the movie is not in real life. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> um and you know what's fun too is I think like as we've covered more and more movies, especially some of these like classics. Um, at this point, uh, I, I think that's a common thread between them is a lot of these movies like this one and, you know, like Friday the 13th and stuff like that. When you hear the people talk about doing the films, they always talk about how much fun they had. And I love that this seems to be a trend in good horror that is like long lasting horror is like if you win the lottery and get to be a part of one of these productions for one of these movies that's going to go down in history. It seems like every time it's a beautiful experience for the people who are there. It's not not an easy experience by any means, but they all always talk so fondly of it. And it's just something that, you know, as we watch and review more and more movies, um, I learn to appreciate because like you I don't think maybe you'd attribute or you'd attribute that to horror movies, but it seems like it's a genre that's a lot of fun to shoot. And it seems like People who work on good horror seem to have long lasting relationships and connections from doing these projects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why I want to be in a horror movie. (laughs) It looks like it's so much fun. (laughs) Amen. Amen to that. But yeah, the the ending of this movie, this movie is just solid all the way through. Like Mm -hmm. I the ending is is great. It's still fun. It still keeps in line a lot of more people survive than I remember the first time I watched this I was like why is everybody still alive (laughs) why did 
half the people that got shot there or stabbed are still alive. But, mm-hmm. you know, they I, I think they're the thing about it is, it, like I said, it works it, for this type of movie. It's not like it doesn't blow make me super upset or I'm not too hung up on it, especially because in the future ones, you know, I think they they continue to play with that aspect of like who you think will survive and who you think will die and if that actually happens or not, which is great. But I love that the killers always die. That's another thing. It's like, no, when they die at the end of this movie, they die. They're mm-hmm. not coming back because they are not Ghostface. Ghostface, like I said, it's more than that. So I do like that it's like, nope, when you see them die, they die. Yeah. The killers. And I like and I'm like, yes, thank you. Cause it's satisfying. I like when killers die because I'm waiting for them to die the whole movie. <laughs> That's true. I'm always surprised that Randy makes it. <laughs> um, always surprises me. Granted, yes, he is the maestro of surviving mm-hmm. horror movies. But um, to be fair, despite his basic list of rules, I don't think he necessarily follows his own advice too much. No, uh, no. But definitely not. <laughs> I, but even though I'm always surprised that he makes it, I'm not mad that he makes it. That's the thing. It's like yeah. all the people that survive. I may be slightly surprised, but I'm not upset with it, especially because the movie still has a pretty high body count regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like for lack of deaths, like people still die. It's just like more people. Sur- yeah. Like you said, more people survive than you think. Yeah. And yeah, Randy, Randy had to had to hold out for all of us. All, he, he represents all of us. So we had, you know, he, he made it through this one. For all the people who are horror experts who think they could survive a horror movie, he he had to survive. But mm-hmm. I, I do think it's funny that Randy accuses both Billy and Stu of being the killer. And he's mm-hmm. right. And he's right. <laughs> and then he promptly gets shot. Even though, like, but yeah, he, sur- he survives it. So good for him. I was more surprised that Dewey survived. I know they that that's a change that they made because... I mean, they had always filmed or Wes Craven filmed it both ways for him to die and for him to live because he didn't know which one he wanted to do. But it, it still surprised me that he's like stone cold dead for like <laughs> the whole and a lot of the ending of the movie. And then at the end, they're like, they he's, like okay. he's like basically doing a thumbs up in the, in the back of the ambulance. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. But uh, um, again, Dewey grew on me this run. So I, <laughs> seeing him get carted away and not die, I was I was very satisfied. I, yeah. You know what? It's fine. Let let you're, Dewey live. You're a um, Dewey stan. I, I also loved Randy's line about like, I've never been so happy to be a virgin. Because <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of the movie, it's true. Like I think he's the last he's the last standing virgin. So is he mm-hmm. the final girl? Is it technically Tec- Randy? Technically, if we're going by old school rules, yeah. Technically, based Randy on his rules too. Yeah, based on his rules as well. It's Randy. You know, you know what I did think about this time around, though, um, with the rules and like Billy and his motivations. I don't know if this was actually supposed to be it. It probably isn't. But do you think the reason that Randy, or sorry, Randy, do you think the reason Billy wanted to have sex so badly is because he couldn't kill her while she was a virgin? <laughs> Like, no, I think he did it to, to, I mean, I think he did it because he probably did still want to have sex with her and was just like still wanted to fuck with her. But I mean, he didn't know that she was going to have sex with him when he went there. Like, that's cause, fair. Because she was the one who was like, 
I'm I'm ready. Yeah. And he wasn't gonna turn her down, which what which is like the fucked up thing. But I I think he just I think he just still wanted to because I mean they did have they they were you know before everything happened they were in a relationship and it like I said it seemed very sexual so I think he was just horny all the time. Man, probably <laughs> that's probably more likely the case. But it was a thought that crossed my mind. I was like, huh. But yeah. That's scream. Yeah, um, pretty much. Pretty much. That's the basics of scream. And yeah, our feelings about it. I mean, as a whole, great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always enjoy it when I rewatch it. Whenever I finally rewatch it, I don't know why I never, why I don't rewatch it as much. <laughs> but yeah, it's always super enjoyable and. There's always one thing about it that every time I watch it, I feel like there's always one new thing where I'm like, oh, that was really clever. I like mm-hmm. that. But what are we rating this out of? Ooh, that's a great question. We could rate it out of cellular phones. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love the interrogation scene. Billy, why did you have a cell? What is he saying? Why did you have that phone, that cell phone? And Billy's like, everybody has cell phones these days. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is so 90s. <laughs> so nice. Also, the cell phones are as large as their hands, which yeah. God, I can I mean I cannot believe that those used to be phones. That is when, wild to me. When the phone falls out of his pocket and hits the floor, it literally sounds like cement is like a <laughs> cement block fell out of his his clothes like and hits it. I'm like, wow. Yep, you're not missing that sound, are you? <laughs> no. And uh, one more small thing before we go into the rating, though. It is, like, it's a small thing, but again, for, like, a 90s movie, it is kind of cool. Um, going back to the first scene, um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we've had scenes where, like, the potential victim is, like, talking to someone on the phone. Um, and before the advent of cell phones, a lot of that was limited by, you know, how long the cord of the phone is. Um, whereas in this scene, it's a very subtle thing. But getting to watch Casey navigate her entire home mm-hmm. while staying on the phone again in 2022 now, not a big deal to us. But back then was actually something different. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's uh, yeah, just such a good scene. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Just Person, such a so great good. scene. Um, I wouldn't mind doing it out of out of cellular phones because I do feel like that's like such a huge part of this movie. Okay. You wanna you wanna go first? Yeah, I can go first. Okay. I am going to give Scream a four point two cellular phones out of five. Nice. Yeah, I I like this movie a lot. I think it's really great. Um, and clever. It feels it still feels really modern even now. Like when I go back and rewatch it, and I love the the references they make. I love how self aware it is at times, but I still love that it feels like it still feels like a a straightforward slasher at the same time and i think that that has a lot to do with wes craven being the director and bringing that kind of old school feel to it and kevin williamson bringing that at the time modern take to the writing mm-hmm. and yeah the characters are really fun sydney is is i mean the the, the our core three that we that they've created and and moved through the series fun fun characters creative characters original characters love them even dewey 
I'll give him his props. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like I said, there are iconic scenes in here that, to be honest, I go back and rewatch. Like, I'll just look them up on YouTube sometimes and rewatch them because mm -hmm. I just think that they're so well done, well crafted, well choreographed. And the only reason I can't, I don't give it a perfect five is because I don't, I, I, I will, like, the middle part is still solid and great to me, but I don't really, like, I don't really check for the middle part like I do the beginning and the end. Right. <laughs> like I, I feel like there's the middle part is kind of like it, it's it's fantastic, but there are moments in there that don't feel as important to me or as strong to me as other moments in the movie. So it's not like a perfect movie to me. It's not like a a end all be all movie for me. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think four point two cellular phones out of Five. Sounds good to me. Um, uh, let's see. Hmm. Honestly, I think I would give today. I would give Scream a four point nine out of five. Oh. Actually, yeah. I for me, every time I watch this movie, it gets better, and especially nowadays, now that we've been taking the time to analyze more and more movies. I do think that I've built more of an appreciation for this movie um, from the writing to the directing to the acting. Like there's just so much to love here. And it was again, one of the most important horror movies um, to come out just for its ability to revitalize a whole genre that was, you know, kind of on the way to stagnation. Mm -hmm. um, I love that Scream was a great was a great um, trendsetter to pushing the genre forward. And I think that there's a lot of magic to be had with this movie. And every time I watch it, like you said, I see something different that I didn't catch the, the last time I watched it. Um, I get a new appreciation for things that maybe didn't quite stick the first time. And even the characters, they over time have grown on me. Like I said, I hated Dewey for most of my viewings of this movie, but this time I love them. Um, so this is for me, um, it's like almost perfect. And I think the more I watch this movie, it'll just eventually become a five out of five for me. Mm -hmm. It's just like it, it scream for me right now is, is very much a fine wine. It is, it is getting better with age and I'm just having more and more appreciation for it. So, uh, yeah, like 4.9 yeah. out of five. To be fair, after thinking about it a little bit, I actually think I would give it a 4.5. Okay. Out of 5, because I think it's such a good base, too. Like, I just feel like they were so, like, the, it's such a good foundation to mm -hmm. what we get later. And I feel like you have to give that a lot of credit. Yeah. And I think with Scream 2, especially for people our age, I think when it comes to, like, slasher horror movies, this is the movie that we all add or, or attribute to that um idea or genre i think mm -hmm. if you ask any yeah. any anyone anyone who grew up in the 90s like they know scream and a lot like we said a lot of y'all homies listening right now and a lot of people that we've spoken to um over the course of this podcast have all talked about how much you guys love scream and i think it's for good reason too so mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's it, Omies. That was our Scream conversation. We hope that you enjoyed it. And as always, we want to hear what you think about Scream and also what you are most 
interested or excited about with the new Scream? What are you what are you hoping for in this new one? And yeah, your thoughts on the original one as well, pretty please. You can talk to us on social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you'd like to talk a little bit more in depth, you can go ahead and slip into the Discord. You can find the link for that in our social media bios. You can always email us as well. We are homies of horror at gmail.com. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. And like we said, we'll probably be chit-chatting it up about Scream some more this evening on Twitch. That's right. We're streaming on Twitch. We stream every single Monday night. We do a homies hangout where we play some spooky games and we talk a little bit more in depth about the movies that we covered in the episode. If that sounds like something you'd be into, you can find the link for our Twitch also in our social media bios. And if you are feeling so inclined, we would absolutely love, love, love it if you guys would leave us a rating or a review. You can write and review us on Apple Podcasts. We very much appreciate it. It helps more people get recommended our podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we have, the better. Or you can just leave us a rating on on Spotify as well because... Yeah, they're doing ratings on Spotify now, which is pretty cool. So if you have the time and you would like to let us know what you're thinking of the show, then head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify. But other than that, we hope that you guys once again enjoyed our conversation on Scream. And we can't wait to talk to you guys more about this movie. And in general, we just hope that you guys have a great rest of your week. Once again, stay safe and stay healthy, homies. That's true. Keep your masks on, homies. <laughs> Keep your mask up, get that vitamin D up, drink your water, most importantly. I need to get better about that, please. Yeah, that's true. Stay hydrated, stay drink safe. Drink your water, it, I promise you, it, it helps. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll catch you next time, homies. Bye.